Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Three things that families need for worship, and those three things quite simply is the right spirit, a giving spirit, and a quiet spirit. Uh, Psalms 100 says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. This is Psalms 100. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We did that this morning. Hallelujah. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. I emphasize the word his and him because it's about the Lord. That's what our worship is about. And so many times we get so distracted. Anybody deal with the Sunday morning rush? I mean, how many times can kids lose socks or shoes when it's time to go to church? (laughs) Why does everything happen between 8 and 930? (laughs) Because Satan's got a plan, I guess. (laughs) You know, you got the backseat brawls, you know, brother punches sister, sister's telling off brother. And the next thing you know, it's, you know, you get out of the car and you act happy. But it's just been, it was a brawl just to get him into the car and now out of the car, right? And now we got to enter into the Lord's gates and, and give him praise. Uh, and too many times we come in Sunday morning, we're already frustrated. How are we going to? It happens. It happens all too often. And I think part of it, we just got to stop taking everything so serious. <laughs> I mean, if you have kids and you think that life's going to be peachy all the time, just might as well just forget that. It's going to be more non-peachy than peachy because things go wrong things happen and things don't even go wrong just life happens you just got to kind of chill and relax be thankful that we get to gather together and worship the lord psalm 100 is a great verse to have everybody read right before right before the kids start bickering in the back seat over whose toy it is um You know, one way that we can practically prepare as families for Sunday service, Sunday worship, is uh, preparing the night before. You you have the kids get the shoes out, get the socks out, go over the Bible memory verse on Saturday night, and might help a little bit. Just some practical things. It doesn't make you any more spiritual or less spiritual if you don't do it, but just the practicality of it. I would like to give you some perspective that I think will have some spiritual value. Football fans prepare all week for the big game. They're scheduling who's coming. They're buying food. They've got tickets. They're there an hour before the game to tailgate. Nobody's late because they're already getting there an hour earlier. I mean, it's all week. They've got enough cash in hand. They've got all the brew. They got all the food. They got everything. They're prepared 
and they are ready to worship whoever it is that they're worshiping. I'm not against sports. It's fine. You want to play sports. All I'm saying is it's kind of ironic that these stadiums can fill thousands of people on a Sunday. And we've got, well, you know what we've got. And it's, it's, it's like that all over with Bible believing and Bible preaching churches. You're mega if you've got 300. <laughs> I say that sarcastically because you know these mega outfits, they're bringing in thousands. People that are lost are more dedicated to their cause than Bible believing Christians that have all the right doctrine and can argue circles around anybody about doctrine. Yet, you know the state of affairs. One Thursday night, we went to Ralph's Donuts. I don't know if I should be giving plugs to donut shops on a Sunday morning, but the point of it is that it was after Thursday night church. We went over there. Well, across from Ralph's is the is the pub. And I was a bit discouraged because, you know, you see that and all those people lined up at the bar they're all the music's blaring it's coming out of the doors it's packed and i'm like lord i complain kind of like we were talking about in the, in the lord's supper lord how come our thursday night service isn't packed with people is my singing that bad is my preaching that shallow i mean you start complaining the world is dedicated and christians need to get more dedicated Myself included. I want to be as dedicated to the Lord and his work and have the right spirit about that than I was when I was lost and I was dedicated to the things that I was doing. Go over to Colossians chapter number three. And we'll look at. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. Stay in Psalms. Go back to Psalms 51. Psalms 51. I want you to get. And I'll just read Colossians and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. We're not running Sesame Street for saints. We're not trying to get people entertained to death because we know that if we don't give them enough fleshly entertainment, they're going to disappear. Which, by the way, that's the whole way that these churches are building thousands and thousands of people. Because they don't have the indwelt Holy Spirit, because they don't have a true love for the Lord, because there's really nothing inward where they have a heartfelt uh, conviction to want to serve God, they have to appeal to the flesh. That's the only way you're going to keep them. You get rid of the rock band, you get rid of all, you get rid of the light show, you get rid of the play land that's inside, all of that fleshly stuff. And you get a man that comes up and teaches the Bible, you'll lose 50% of them the first Sunday. You'll lose another 50% of that 50% the second Sunday. You've got to have a flesh fest to keep people in. What we want to do with the kids is we want to teach them the Bible age appropriately. They're going to color. They're going to do crafts. They're going to do all the things. You know all those things. But we're not going to swing it to where we're just kind of slipping in a little Jesus and we're turning it into something that it ought not be. If we're going to have a separate class for children, the emphasis is going to be on the Lord and learning about Jesus Christ. It's going to be about him, not about constantly trying to keep you entertained. Although, you know, you know. 
you're teaching kids, you're going to talk to them different. I'm not talking about any of that. All that's normal, age-appropriate things, okay? We want to do it for the Lord. We don't want to do it for entertainment purposes. We want to do it for edification purposes. And uh, that's what we're going for. It's, it's not an excuse to be dry and dull and boring. And <laughs> it's, it's a rally to say, hey, we want these kids to come away edified, not entertained and amused to death. We want them to be edified in the Lord. All right. So the first point is the right spirit. Psalms 51. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, this is David praying. Look at verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness. I'm sorry, verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. You know what happened? David's outward sin caused him to look inward and he says creating me a clean heart oh god and renew a right spirit within when when you first got saved aren't you glad that god didn't give you a preview of all the iniquity and sin and stuff that you would do we tend to thank the lord oh i'm saved from all my sins that i did I messed up here. I was stupid here. Why did I do that again? You ever you, you ever look back in hindsight and you're like, I don't even know why I did that. I don't even know why I said that. We typically think like that. Well, now when we first get saved, do you ever think, well, just thank God he didn't show me a foreview of all the dumb stuff I would do. I don't think anybody would go and try to live for the Lord. <laughs> He'd lay out all the stuff that you'd mess up on. We do. We mess up even after we get saved. Create in me a clean heart. Lord, give me a right spirit. What happens is we get in church. We're saved. We've got a King James Bible. We've got the right doctrine. We believe salvation by grace. We might even witness the lost people. But life happens. Sin gets in our heart. Iniquity gets in our life. And church starts to get sour. We tend to get sour towards other Christians or other people in general because we're not dealing with the sin and iniquity that's currently in our hearts, that we're not asking the Lord, hey, give me a right spirit about this, God. We need to be careful of that. The first thing that we need as families, we need as, a, as, as, as individuals for our own families, And then for our church family is we need to develop the attitude of consistently having a clean heart. Going to the Lord, give me a right spirit. Renew that spirit in me, Lord. How do we do that? Like we talked about this morning, if you're worn out, it kind of is easier to just go to the lake, isn't it? It kind of is easier to just get some coffee and donuts and veg out on the couch and sleep in. In, in some ways it is, 
because we're trapped in this body of flesh and it's easier to consistently indulge in the fleshly stuff than it is in the spiritual stuff. So we really need to have the right spirit going to the Lord and saying, please, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew my right spirit within me. I'm just saying Sunday shouldn't just be a habit. Sunday shouldn't just be a tradition. Well, that's just what we do. It should be worshiping the Lord. We talked about that last Sunday. What we see here, first point is a right spirit. It's associated with a clean heart. And I'm not saying anybody don't do these things I'm about to name, but we we get our clothes washed so they're clean and they smell clean and they don't look dirty and ratty. We don't let the kids wear uh, their, their, you know, clothes that have holes in them. We get them something nice, right? We spend time, you know, we, we fix our hair and we do all this stuff and we fix all the outward to come to church and praise God we do, right? But do we spend the same amount of time fixing our heart before we come to the church house? I mean, it's something to think about. It's having the right spirit. We brush our teeth. We wash our face. We get everything prepared outwardly. But God wants our hearts to be prepared. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. The home prepared. The devil desires. He wants to tear your home apart, our church family apart. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It's right heart. Second Corinthians 11, please. Second Corinthians chapter number 11. The devil would love to take your week and just make it a mess of distractions. He would love to wear you out all week so that you're so tired, frustrated, and embarrassed that you won't walk into the church house. That's what he wants to do. That's the devil. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, if somebody looks like an apostle of Christ, that doesn't sound too scary to me. It's a deception. Verse 14, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Well, that's not a guy in a red suit with a pitchfork coming after you screaming bloody murder. That's somebody who looks pretty good. That's the deception. That's the distraction. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Well, what's wrong with this? It's it's all right to do that. Telling you football season's kicking up. Down south, college ball's pop more popular than NFL ball. How can people spend four to eight hours on a Sunday cheering for men running around in tights? This isn't a sermon against football. This is just Christians have a hard time coming to church once for an hour. Yet the world will worship all day long. If you're a football fan, I'm not telling you not to watch football. Okay? I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I find it ironic that the games are on Sunday. 
I find it ironic that the stadium is packed on a Sunday. I find it ironic that these weak-kneed, yellow-spined fakers who are trying to put themselves off as ministers have to find a way to trick people to come to church during football season to let it out right before the game starts or to have the game playing in the background or you know all the tricks that they're using. Why? Because we don't have a clean heart and the right spirit. We want what the flesh wants and God can be on the back burner. If somebody dies or somebody gets married or there's a special holiday We'll think about gracing a church house and listening to somebody talk about spiritual things. We need to have a right spirit. The second thing families need to have, go to 2 Corinthians, back to the ninth chapter, is we need to have a giving spirit, a giving spirit. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse number seven. The Bible says every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. There's something that God loves. One of the, one of the many things God loves a cheerful giver. It's said that the average American spends. Thirty five hundred dollars a year at Walmart. They probably didn't have my wife in that, in that lineup. She's always a woman. I say that because she's downstairs. It's a lot of money at Walmart. They say a family of four, if they go to a football game, they spend $500 on a football game for a family of four. By the time they drive and eat, all that, buy the tickets. They say a Disney vacation for a family of four is $5,000 dollars to give to some mouse that they put a witch hat on hold a magic wand that's why they call it the magic kingdom it's a tragic kingdom is what it is vacations they say that people on average spend 10 percent of their income on vacations now again i, I want to be careful because i am not saying don't go on vacation matter of fact i would say the opposite take some time and take the kids out. Create those memories. Give them something to remember and have a, have a fun time. Go on a vacation. Have a good time. I'm not saying don't go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. What I'm saying is we don't bat an eye at spending money on those types of things. But when it comes to giving to the Lord, we can take it or leave it sometimes. And God... I purpose my heart. I'd say, you know what, Lord? <clears throat> Does the Lord have more money than us? <laughs> Amen. Does the Lord need our money? No. He wants us to give because out of a cheerful heart, we want to give, and God loves a cheerful giver. So I purpose is that I'm not going to pass a plate around because I don't want, I don't think it's sinful, but the perception where it's going now in today's world is that People feel guilted. And somebody in the front row gives something. Well, somebody sitting next to the person in the front row, they're just going to give something because they don't want to feel like they're not giving and everybody's looking at them because they're in the front row. Well, you can get more money that way. I don't care. 
I'd rather get less money and have God provide it. And that's why we don't send email letters asking you for money. That's why we don't send an offering plate asking you for money. That's why we don't do big appeals asking you for money. What if you've been here any length of time? Here's what I say. God's got more money than you. You ask God what he wants you to give. Don't ask me. <laughs> I don't know what anybody gives. I don't look at who gives what. I don't want to know. All I know is God has provided for us and he will continue to provide for us. So I'll do the same thing. I just ask God. But he loves a cheerful giver. And people cheerfully spend thousands of dollars on fleshly things and worldly things. Well, we'll just tip the Lord. <laughs> we'll give the Lord a little bit. We'll spend 50 bucks at Crackle Barrel, but, you know, the Lord, it's just the Lord's work, right? So it shouldn't be so. I'd, I'd be embarrassed to get all that the Lord has done for me. I'd be embarrassed to give God pocket change. I'd be embarrassed before the Lord. Because of all that he has done for me and for my family, he's great. Psalm 100, he's great. <clears throat> but when we see here uh, in Second Corinthians chapter number 9, we see that cheerful giving, it's associated with what? It's associated with a heart. Again, it's a heart attitude that is purposed toward God. It's not a heart that grudgingly gives. You see somebody drop a 20 in the, in the offering plate. I don't want someone giving grudgingly saying, well, he already went through that, right? He wants somebody that gives out of a heart that's purposed toward him. He doesn't want to, well, I have to heart. I have to do this heart. I don't want that. I don't want that. We don't want that. You don't want that. We talked about preparing the night before. You can prepare the night before you give. You can give the, if you're a parent, you can give the kids a dollar. You can give the kids some money. Say, hey, look, you're responsible for that. Or if they have a job, you can help them prepare the night before. So it's not a scramble that morning of. We should pray with our families about giving to the Lord's work. We want to support more missionaries. We want to do more evangelistic outreach. We want to do more with getting what we're doing here out on Facebook. Believe it or not, Facebook can be used for good. We're getting a lot of reach on Facebook, a lot of reach. And there's a whole variety of ways. We want more shirts we can get on people so that they can read scripture verses rather than vulgar T-shirts. We want to do all of that. So that the Lord would be glorified, magnified. And, you know, all these companies, they got, they call it now swag. It's just all the merch, all the merchandise, the pens, the cups, the shirts. Because they want to get their brand out there. They want a brand. I run a company. I understand that. If you run a company, you understand that. We need to have a giving spirit and not just monetarily. It's giving of time. It might be even giving of time and effort and care to someone that isn't like you. You know, this is why there's people groups, because the Italians talk 
a certain way and they eat certain foods. And the Mexicans talk a certain way and they have a certain set of foods they eat. And you just go ahead and separate them, right? Well, none of that matters in Christ. <laughs> you, you have to be able to give of your time and of your care and of your effort to someone that doesn't look like you. And talk. I came here, people say, they say, what's your last name again? <laughs> and then they kind of chuckle because it sounds funny. It's not a common name here. And they say, well, you know, you talk funny. And I always want to, and sometimes I do, depending on his, I said, I talk funny. I said, I can't even tell what you're saying. Right? And you can do that with some certain people that, you know, because there's that care, there's that understanding, hey, I'm, I'm just joking. You know, I'm just, just like you're joking me. But it's that caring for somebody that isn't like you, that you really don't share anything in common with. And you're going to put some time and effort and energy into it. That's a giving spirit. That's how you build up your family and your church family. You know, my kids are into stuff that I'm not interested in. But I'm interested because they're interested in it. I'm not interested in braiding hair. But when my daughter has a little head thing with the hair, I'll sit and watch her braid the hair. I don't care about braiding hair. But I care about her being interested in doing that. I'm, I'm pushing 50. The last thing I want to do is get on a horse. Now, if you asked me that 25 years ago, yeah, I'll do anything. But the last thing I want to do is get on the back of a horse. But my son's interested in it, so I'm interested in it because he is. Just pray that if I break my back, he'll care for me. He'll have a giving spirit. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's being, it's taking some care and interest in the people that aren't into the things that you're into. And that's what the Lord wants us to have. And that's how one of the ways you build a strong family um, and a strong church family. You have a giving spirit. These modern Bibles take out hell, damnation. They take all that out. But even in our, in our authorized version, the Holy Bible, hell, damnation, uh, lake of fire, all those verses on, on, on hell, damnation, lake of fire, the verses on money and giving, double that. Jesus talked about giving a lot. Talked about money a lot. We should have a giving spirit, not just monetarily, to give to the work of the Lord, but to give of our time and our energy and our resources and our care. The last thing I'd like to talk to you this morning about, <clears throat> you want to have a right spirit. Family needs that. You want to have a giving spirit. You want to have a quiet spirit. Well, you've been talking this whole time. How's that quiet? Well, let's see. First Peter. First Peter. Remember we talked about, I don't know if it was last Sunday or the Sunday before, we talked about church has to be more for kids than just a place where they're coming, where they come and they're told to be quiet. We're talking about a quiet spirit here. It's different than being told to be quiet. First Peter chapter number three. All right, here we go. First Peter. First Peter chapter number three. All right, we'll read four verses. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, not anybody else's, your own, that if any obey not the word, they also 
may live leave little scripture notes around the house and win them that way <laughs> would be preached to them all day no it doesn't say that it says that if any obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear you don't win your husband over by preaching at him all day you don't win your husband over by writing little notes of well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And by the way, John 3.16 says this and put it on the mirror form. So that's the first thing he sees when he shaves. You don't win him over like that. You know, you win him over. A quiet spirit. Now, I might not. He's not going to get saved that way, but he's certainly going to listen to somebody else. He's certainly going to have more respect for you. He's certainly going to love you better. Why is that? I don't know. This is just what the Bible says. <laughs> I can't. If you're a fella, I can't figure them out any more than you can. And if, if you're not a fella, you can't figure us out any more than it's just the way it is. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now watch this. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold. Now, does that mean you shouldn't braid your hair, or plate your hair, or wear gold? Well, it would mean that, except the next part of it says, or of putting on of apparel. And everybody, I think, would agree here that we're all going to get up and put a power law before we go out. <laughs> so if you're going to say, well, it's sinful to plate your hair, if you're going to say it's sinful to wear gold, then you're going to have to say it's sinful to get up and put on a power, which isn't Christian at all. So you've got to be able to rightly divide the Bible. You've got to be able to read it and believe it. God's not saying don't braid your hair. God's not saying don't wear gold. God's not saying jewelry sinful. He's saying if you're constantly trying to adorn the outward and you don't have a quiet spirit, you're wrong. You got to get to know somebody. It doesn't matter. Gentlemen, it doesn't matter if she grew up in church her whole life and she wears feminine appropriate long modest skirts or dresses that cover her knees and a high neckline. If she's got a nasty attitude, she's going to wear you out. For your whole life here on earth. You want to talk about being in the wilderness. You want to talk about being on the rooftop. More guys go in the roofing industry. Because they have a wife that just wears the snot out. They need to have a quiet spirit. That's what a fellow wants. A quiet spirit. And then God will work out the outward. Let it be. Verse number four. The hidden man. Of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, how? Being in subjection to their boss? No. Being in suggestion to some other man? No. Being in suggestion to the leadership of the church? No. Being in subjection to their own husbands. <laughs> That's how you build your home. That's how you adorn yourselves, ladies. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Try that. Go home. He comes home from a long day. I'm a Lord. <laughs> it, but we don't say that anymore. All right. That's. But it's, it's just a form of showing respect. That's all that is an example of. 
whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, your husbands. Likewise, your husbands. <laughs> we need to have a meek and quiet spirit. Likewise, ye husbands. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. She's not supposed to be as emotionally strong as you. Deal with them according to knowledge. Know what they're about. Learn about. Look, I know it's hard for some of us, but that's what God wants us to do. A meek and quiet spirit, not a demanding spirit. Not a, how come you don't get this spirit? Not a, don't you understand? Told you three times spirit. A meek and a quiet spirit. That's what a gentleman is. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Hindered. I thought it to be disrespectful when I first came down here. We'd have some guys work. Because well, we were building the house, there was all sorts of people coming and going, hired and fired, and all that. I started to hear some of these fellas say, "Yeah, the old lady, this, the old lady, that." Complaining about the old lady, I'm like, "That's kind of rude." I can't imagine saying that about my wife. You treat her with honor, treat her with respect. You don't talk. I found that to be very rude and disrespectful. And people say, "Well, it's a southern thing." It doesn't sound too southern to me. I thought it's supposed to be. You know, iced tea and peaches and y'all. <laughs> and there's some honor and there's some respect. There's a meek and a quiet spirit. I get on my son sometimes. I said, somebody treat my wife like that. We're going to have a fight. You talk to talk to your sister that way. That's my daughter. Someone talks to my daughter. They get, they get older. Someone talks to my daughter. I'm ready to fight. No, like really fight. Like I'll drag him out in the backyard and we're going to, we're going to fight. I remember somebody messed up. My sister had a problem, and the whole thing. When we were kids, she was going to go out with her friends, and I knew one. I knew it was going to turn south, so I went out to the car, pulled up to pick her up. I went out to the car. I put her fire me to carry pickup. I brought her into the house. So we're not we're not doing that. There needs to be some men that step up and aren't afraid to get punched in the mouth for something. We got too much men that have more honor for their reputation than for their wife or their sister. Or their daughter. Play at the park a couple of months ago. Something happened. I'd bring my son home and tell him, look, if you're not man enough to stand up for your sister, then I'm not going to let you go to the park without me anymore. Because I'm man enough to stand up for her. If you're not willing to get teased and you're not willing to fight for her honor and respect, then I'll go. I'm serious. There isn't enough. Chivalry, there's not enough men that have the guts to stand up and say enough's enough. And then they get married and, it, and then they think it, they're going to change. You're not going to change. You're not. If you're a slug before you get married, you're going to be a slug after you get married. If you pe treat people dishonorably before you get married, that's how you're going to treat them after you get married. Unless the Lord does something miraculous in your heart and he gives you a clean heart. Or if you're saved, he renews your spirit. Because people do change. I've changed. I'm not the same husband I was 20 years ago. Praise, praise God for that. You can look back and see his mercy. 
So God will change people, but people tend to want to just they'll do it on their own. God wants us all to have a meek and quiet spirit. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Psalms, Proverbs, and then you'll come to Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. <clears throat> Look at verse number 6. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. In the sixth verse. Better is a handful with quietness. This quietness right here is referring to a restful spirit. Then both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. That's the old, that's where we get the idea of quality versus quantity. You got both hands full, filled, but one of them's got a vexation of spirit and the other one's full of uh, full of travail that you know you're constantly irritated you're constantly disturbed you're constantly you got a tormented spirit about you that's what the lord means when he says a vexation of spirit it's like why are you always irritated that's why it's better it's better that you don't have both hands full it's better to have quality and just a handful of stuff with quietness. There's this idea that we need to keep adding. Sometimes addition actually equals subtraction. We want to keep adding these things. And as we add, it takes away from something else. You know, it's like the fellow that works 30 hours a week and he wants to push it to 40. So he gets full time. He gets 40 hours a week. He makes more money, right? 30 hours, you make more money at 40 hours. Well, then he talks his wife into, you know, if we do 50 hours, we can do a, another vacation. I mean, if you really think about it, I'm not going to be home that much longer if you look at it over a year. So, okay, he goes for 50, then he goes for 60, and next thing you know, he's up to 90 hours a week, and he wonders why in a decade his family fell apart. You just added, but a lot of things in your life subtracted. I'm not telling you to try to, I'm not saying that to say you should work less. I'm saying that you got to be careful on how you take on more work because you might take away a lot from your walk with the Lord, your family's walk with the Lord, and that would not be good. You're better just with a little, just with a handful, with some quietness. Now, this doesn't mean kids, parents that have kids that are loud. You think, can he really get any louder? Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spirit that's quiet. There's no vexation. Last one. First Timothy 2. First Timothy chapter number 2. Verse number one, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. We uh, talked about this verse. We were going through types of prayer 
Uh, but verse two, we're going to just finish out with this morning for kings and for all that are in authority. That means Joe Biden, unfortunately. <laughs> I've got my critiques just like you do. But we need to pray for our president. His mental clarity and all that. I mean, all of it falls under that umbrella. It's hard to talk about this with a straight face, but he is our president. And we do need to pray. He does have authority. We need to pray that God would do something with that man. God would do something with that administration. God would make a way for our troops to come home. But for all that are in authority, does all mean all? It does. I and mean, we preach that on other verses. We've got to be consistent. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Does all men mean all men there? Then it means pray for all that are in authority in verse 2. It means the same thing in the same context, the same chapter. And God's exhorting us to do that. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Again, it doesn't mean we don't say, it, it doesn't mean don't talk. We're minding our own business. You know what my prayer is for the government? It would leave us Christians alone. Now that really kind of isn't happening. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to pray to that end. Would you just leave us alone so that we can worship? Would you just leave us alone if we can just go out in public, in the public arena, and just talk to people about our Lord? Would you just leave us alone? We're going to live a quiet, peaceable life. We're going to be quiet. We're not going to try to staunch and we're not trying to take over the government. We're not here to storm the Capitol. I'm not here to do any of that. All I want to do is live a quiet, peaceable life. I just want to tell people about Jesus. I just want us to be free to worship our Lord. I just want to be free to go to somebody's house and say, hey, did you know that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners? I just want to be free to live a quiet and peaceable life. I'm not going to mess with you guys. Can you guys not mess with us? But we all know that it's starting to amp up now. I mean, all this stuff is all, it, it, it's all building up to what we know it's going to build up, all of it. All playing out like the Lord said it was going to play out. Just see everything lining up. But still pray for those that are in authority. I know it's hard. I know we'd rather pray for someone else to. I know. I mean, I pray those prayers too. But in the meantime, those that are in authority, we need to pray for. So what do families need? They need a lot, but we keyed in on three things this morning. To worship the Lord, families need the right spirit that's associated with a clean heart. They need a giving spirit that's associated with a heart that is purposed toward God. And lastly, they have a quiet spirit. And that is a life that is godly and peaceable in nature. A quiet spirit associated with a godly life. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.